Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Morning, uh, listeners here. There's my voice. It's sort of not quite right, is it? But it's um, it's getting there, I reckon. Slowly but surely. If only I would stop screaming all the time, maybe it would get better. This is the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. We do this every Monday. Try and find your winners for uh, the upcoming weeks. And I think we did a pretty good job, actually, on Saturday night with Art of Shengli in particular, getting the job done uh, in the second heat of the matriarch pace. To join me now... Starting a very new journey. I'm starting a new journey with Dan Malecki on the Friday form panel. And I think you and I, Steve Cleaver, are starting a new journey on Metrospective. How are you, mate? I'm very well, Bon. How are you going? I'm I'm good. Now, I want to know, and I'm not going to force you into this. I'm not. That's not the kind of person that I am, right? <laughs> but people are already missing a little element of this show on Mondays and Fridays that was the music quiz. Now, I'm not going to force you into anything, and you are at a disadvantage because you're living, you're remote, um, which means you're going to be a little slower on the buzzer. Is there any type, can I tell Willem here, any brand, any era of music that can be included in a music quiz, or would you like to just recuse yourself? Uh, no, you can put it on. I'm, I'm sure you'll probably beat me fairly easily, but uh, a little bit of Green Day, that sort of music. That's that's uh, that's probably my style. So can we say um, rock of some kind between uh, of the nineties? Can we can we go with that? Yeah, probably anywhere up to about two thousand and ten. And then after that, I really know what songs are what. All right, 90, no, no, You've got twenty years to work with there. Um, yeah. Well, I'm nineteen ninety to two thousand and ten. Generally speaking. Rockish. All right, so we've got the music quiz back on deck. Um, Saturday night's racing was, uh, well, it was paradoxical really, wasn't it, Steve? I mean, the first few races, first three or four, typical Melton, lead, uh, walk, sprint home, extremely fast final quarters, peg domination, and then all of a sudden the meeting just flipped on its head. Yeah, it's amazing how quick it did change, but it was a night where there were a lot of really slick last quarters. And, and as you say, peg domination comes from that style of racing. As soon as they start running, you know, quicker last quarter than, say, a third quarter, it makes it really hard for those horses that to get home out wide coming from the back. So anything that did make ground in those early races are probably ones you want to watch in the future. We'll get stuck into race one in a moment. I just want your early imp- an early impression from you, that fast class uh, pace of the night, uh, we obviously went in expecting uh, something of a match race between the two big, exciting four-year-olds, Yan Buckian and Rock and Roll Do. Um, was do we sort of need to put that race to one side when we look into the future, or do we look at it and say actually this is more of an indication that these harder, um, more seasoned, experienced, older horses? When you get into those big races, and if they were to attack some of these four-year-olds, say into the Dominion Series that it's not easy to beat these horses who've got the ring craft and been there and done that before. Yeah, no, 100% agree on that one, Bon. I, I think there's no real standouts in our 
open class races now, whereas, you know, you sort of have a King of Swing or a Lock of Art that were better than the others. But what's racing in a race like Saturday night is really not a lot between them. And uh, I, I don't think I'd be putting it aside. I think there's a few really good runs in that race that I'd certainly be following going forward. All right, let's get stuck in. Race one on the program um, was won by Paul the other leg, and this was... Sadly for uh, Andy Gathy, decided to go the other way with his best bit on the program, but ended up only paying about a dollar thirty or a dollar forty. And critically here, you see this sometimes, don't you, Steve? So high flying Harry, Arden Roanoke probably gets across if not for high flying Harry. So it's one of those situations where running interference sometimes gives those horses that are drawn down nearer the pegs an opportunity to muster. Now Paul the other leg doesn't have. Dramatic early speed, but had enough to hold the top here. And that was the end of the penny section. Yeah, no, that's right. There was an early burn to the first turn with Paul the other leg, punching through on the inside, high-flying Harry, and then Arden Roanoke. And they, they all had a serious crack, but just having that inside advantage sort of made the difference with Paul the other leg. Although, like you say, not the quickest horse out, was quick enough to keep his feet there and uh, and hold that position. And, uh, and that really summed up the race from there. So to, how highly do we rate him? Is it just a matter of having to wait and watch now? Because that's two wins from two goes in Australian soil. Both of them have been very comfortable. Both of, the, of them have been in front. He's going to end up getting to a relatively high level relatively quickly if he continues on this trajectory. But do we think he's a, do we look at him and think he's a, a good horse? Or are we thinking, okay, no, he's found the right races and we'll find out in maybe two or three runs if he's a good horse? Yeah, no, I think you'll find out in a few runs how good he is, but I certainly think he'll go through his grades. He's, he's a 75 rated now, so he's he's still a couple of wins off racing those really good horses, but he's got a bit of speed and, you know, I mean, he ripped off a 26-9 quarter, which shows he's got a bit of toe at the finish of his races. So I don't think he could be any more impressive than what he's done at his first two starts in Australia, and, and I think he's certainly one going forward that I think Andy will have a lot of fun with. All right, now, we talk about peg domination. Well, how about this? First race in the program, leader beats trail horse, beats three poles, beats five poles, beats four poles. And in these circumstances, it's very difficult to be too judgmental of anything that raced off pegs, isn't it? I mean, high-flying Harry um, will get a follow-up report there, and it has been scoped, and it did seem disappointing on face value. But basically, you've almost got to have two divisions here, the ones that are on the pegs and the ones that are off the pegs, because... When you've got that kind of peg domination, anything that was racing even one off the inside, well, it can't have been competitive at the finish. No, exactly. And when you're running, you know, 54-9 last halves, you know, it's so hard. Every metre you're, you know, having to cover extra, it's just so hard at that sort of speed. So I wouldn't take too much off the horses that did have to do the work off the fence. Um, And as you said, you know, pegs, 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 pegs. It was just... uh, it was just run that way that, you know, 31-9 second quarter, just that back off they needed to get their breath, and then they just let them slide from there, and, and it was pretty much all over. Is there anyone that uh, jumped out outside of the winner? So Captain Confetti, we know, we sort of know this. It's nothing. There's no new information about the fact when he's coiled up and gets to do nothing in transit that he can rush home. I was a touch disappointed uh, with Box of Chocolates. Uh, I know that she's better known as a, as a leader, but she's run a couple of races this preparation off speed that made me think, okay, even from four poles, uh, you're a chance to run a play. So I thought she just battled in the, in the concluding stages. But is there anything there to follow for the future? The one, the one horse that is ticking along all right is um, is our uncle Jim. So parked outside of pulled the other leg um, last time they met last weekend, 
and wasn't beaten a hell of a long way and wasn't far away from pulling the, the other leg here. So even though he's not in the same class, you just feel maybe it'll be back in a regional venue. There's got to be a race for him, I think, Steve. Absolutely. Or even that $10,000 version of these races, yep. you know, they have. He's certainly racing well. A million promises. I was, I was crying after the race because I've actually backed this horse's last two starts from terrible draws. Yes. Totally missed the first race. And here it is at 150 to one, drawn two, sits leaders back and uh, holds on for second. So that really hurt. Captain Confetti, as you said, just, you know, really nice run. That's how he does like it. Box of chocolates, 100% agree. Just a bit disappointing for mine. Sheffield Sparky, I know Jody's really frustrated with this horse. It doesn't seem to be going as good as it has. But I thought, even though it was well beaten, I thought it actually hit the line okay last week. And maybe it can take some confidence out of that run and might be on its way back. But... Just put him in your watch box. You'd love to see him um, get to where he's supposed to be, Sheffield Sparky, because he's got the ability. I'm with you. Sometimes it's not even – I don't even get caught up in the numbers, Steve, but Sheffield Sparky here did seem – and I know the race was completely gone and he had no chance of even finishing a place, but he seemed to knuckle down and sprint quickly if you know what I mean. And sometimes you can even tell that visually. You don't even need to see the numbers because it's got to do with the intent of the animal. It tells you that they are feeling good and ready to roll and want to go. And I thought I saw a little bit of that from Sheffield Sparky here, and obviously you did too. Yeah, no, he just seemed to have a little bit of a spark in his eye getting up the home straight, which we really haven't seen. Just Jody was coming off the fence, like in the running line, and then just to say straight, and she eased it back down. And and when she did steer it down into the gap, you could just see it grab the bit, which, as I said, it hasn't been doing lately. And and that little sparkle just said to me, maybe watch this one. I think it just might be coming back. All right, time for our first break on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life here on SEN Track. When we return, some sort of rock song from between 1990 and 2010 will be played, and then we'll get stuck into race two, one by Doug's Babe. And... Some post-race comments from Michael Bellman. I'm glad I didn't hear them before the race. We'll talk about that when we come back. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason. Oh, I don't know the name of the song, do I? You got to keep them separated. Um, And it is called... Hang on, just give us a moment. No, you can't, you can't, Willem, you can't come in here and <laughs> you just throw, your, throw your weight around like that. Okay? Oh, I mean, well done. Um, hang on, it is... Um, no, I don't know the name of the song. Do you know the name of it, Steve? Yeah, I do. All right, well, you got a chance to take a one-nil lead here if you just lay the name on us. Come out and play. Come out and the play. Spring. That'll be the only one I get, I reckon. <laughs> I got a bit excited about that. Uh, because I, I, normally if I can recognise the uh, the beat earlier, hopefully Willem doesn't play this. We, are those words ever said in the song? They are. No, I don't think so. Oh. Willem's given us a big nod. He's given us the, the, no, the big, go. big nod. Well, anyway, we move forward. It's 1-0. This is good. This, it's good for the sport. It's good for football. It's good for racing. I'm, I'm going to do a skeeter. I'm going to get out to a lead and then, yeah, you'll come charging home. Well, we'll, we'll see. It's, as long as it's competitive, I think that's what we need. Race two. Um, now, this was sort of competitive, I guess. Um, single file, heat one of the HBV Stallion Guide Amaryllin Matriarch Pace. Um, and after the race, 
On Trot's vision, Michael Bellman indicating that Jeff Webster not happy at all with Doug's babe. They're in two minds, particularly pre-scratchings about whether to go forward. I'm very pleased they did because, um, look, you can't tell when they only run 400 metres. This was a 400-metre race, really. So I, I, we can't declare that Doug's babe's absolutely back on track, Steve, but um, she did everything that was required. And even though the wolf was cutting down the margin, I think they could have gone another lap and... Doug's babe would have uh, continued to hold her. Yeah, no, totally agree. It was, uh, like you say, a small field of only six uh, going around, so it was never going to be an exciting race. But uh, the Wolf had the gate speed to cross, but was pretty happy for Doug's babe to then roll to the lead. Um, basically, they just, as you said, they went in a single file and they finished in that exact order, except for the back two to swap places. But um, it really was just a quick dash up the straight. Like you say, first quarter in 31.9 and then 30.8, even 29.5 down the back. It's absolutely walking at Melton. Home in 26-4, but like you say, I, I think the Wolf certainly made a race of it late, but Doug's Babe, and if it had been right, I don't think the Wolf would have got even close, you know, that close to it. I think uh, she's certainly the one to beat for sure. Um, and just looking forward, I mean, we'll have a look at the other matriarch pace a little bit later, but I think based on that, uh, Doug's Babe is probably the one to beat in the series. She's, you know, she gave me every indication. So this is what, you know, this is what assumption does. Assuming makes an ass out of you and me, apparently. But it, um, I went into that first up run for Doug's Babe, second row draw, yes, against the boys, Gilligan's Island, Big Spruik, all the rest of it. But Doug's Babe was $11, and I just thought, what in the world, according to Garp, is going on here, that Doug's Babe could be $11, um, given her ability. But clearly it wasn't just the fact that she was short of a run, but that Jeffrey wasn't that happy with her. But when she's right, we know... And we mention it all the time, this golden generation of four-year-old mares. And she's one of them now. She's not ladies in red. She's not tough Tilly. She's not Joanna quite, but she's not a hell of a, a, she's not a long distance away from them, is she? So if she bounces off this and only improves another five or ten metres, uh, one suspects she's going to be very hard to beat this weekend as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. We saw it through the three-year-old Philly size and and also the Breeders' Crown. You know, she's only beaten sort of ten metres off some of the best horses. So... You put any of those top four you just mentioned in this race, and and they're a dollar and four going around and winning these by twenty. So, like you say, Doug's Bay, but certainly had the class on the board, and uh, and it's going to be hard to beat in the final if she comes through that race all right, and uh, Jeff can get her back on on song. Do you think? Um, well, I'll raise a few of these while I've got you because it gives us an opportunity to to um, to banter over some issues at the same time that we're doing the retrospective. See, once upon a rainbow, the week-to-week the week to week heat into finals um, were – it suited everyone, really, I think. I mean, you had a week to recover. If you don't go too hard, hopefully not too hard in a heat, then you could normally go into the finals thinking, well, all these horses are going to be cherry ripe and ready to go. Is there any part of you that thinks that the, and I talk about this all the time, the evolution of the standard bread, they're a little bit more fragile than they once were, that you've got to be really careful when you're going into week week into week heat and finals. And we'll talk about maybe one or two runners in race three in a moment, uh, one by Catch a Wave, that a few of them just don't back up week in, week out anywhere near as well these days. Yeah, no, they're certainly different to what they used to be. They're not quite as tough, um, you know, for copping that hard racing, but I think it depends on what they've done leading up to it. For mine, if you've got a horse that's raced sparingly, so every two weeks or, you know, having their gaps in between them, and then you back them up week to week, I, I have no issue with it. I think they handle that really well. But if you've got a horse that's maybe going into its fifth or sixth week in a row, 
then you may start to see that form drop away a little bit. Um, the Douglas horses are probably really good examples of that. They race continuously week in, week out, and you watch their form. They'll race in good form. Then they'll sort of taper off a little bit, but they don't stop racing them. They keep racing them, and then all of a sudden they just race back into that good form again. So it, it's just trying to get the timing right, I suppose. Um, was there any? I mean, when you have these races run in this manner, home in 26-4, we've mentioned it a couple of times, it's uh, it's pretty hard to find anything from back in the field. I thought better Robin first up was always going to benefit from the run, was okay. Nicky Nana was fine. Really, the rest of them were fine, weren't they, Steve? Yes, the, the Wolf was going well. We, we knew that on its last uh, performance in the trials. Um, Nicky Nana went really well. I think it was just totally outclassed. I don't think it's up to the class of, you know, Doug's babe. So he'd done a really good job to only get beaten 11 metres. Better Robin, I agree with you. I think it's sort of one to watch because it'll improve off that run for sure. And then the other two, that they were sort of slightly disappointing in my eyes. But, you know, it was hard to make ground from behind when they run home in 26-4. Now, let's get to the third event of the program, one of the Group 3s, the Alabar Vic Bread Championship final. Catch a wave. Well, there was a wave of descent, I felt, on the Trots Vision panel on Saturday night, Steve. A wave of yeah, descent. I, I didn't actually see that. As I said, I, I had a night of not watching the Trots, so I went back and watched it all last night. So I'll have to uh, take your word on that one. Well, I, uh, yeah, there was there, there was sort of a, um, a feeling... A feeling that we could maybe get, or from others, that you get catch a wave beaten here after, of course, being defeated at a dollar twenty-two at heat level of the series. The solo there was only one heat; it was a dress rehearsal for the Alabama Vic Bread Championship final. But um, well, he, he showed everyone. I think. I mean, I, now you'd expect him to win a race like this. That's why he's a dollar twelve. But he, the ease with which he did it, the professionalism, the gate speed. Um, how well he cruises, the fact that the earplugs were still in a record. He's, he's, we already knew he was a very good horse, but he, he confirmed it on Saturday night. Yeah, no, 100%. He, we knew he was good. I, I can understand a little bit of a question mark going on him. I know the gear broke last week. I picked it up in the run and uh, could see that block flapping around on the inside. But even saying that, I still think he was disappointing last week. He really didn't seem to be switched on like we knew he could be. But, this Saturday night, the moment he left that gate, he was on and, and you knew he was a different horse. He, he was a 100% better horse this week than he was last week. I reckon he could have had five gear malfunctions and still won. Um, he was just on song. So he crossed him so easily. Kate didn't even move on him. Like he went to the front just under double wraps and, and that was the end of it. And even to the line, like I say, earplugs still in. He was just absolutely in the zone and ready to roll. He certainly was, and he was in a different world to his um, his rivals. And I'll ask you a little bit later. I'll save it for when we get to the Vic Size Classic. But where Catch a Wave would have finished, I think we would agree he would have won that race. But by how far? Hugo Rocks, his horse that keeps ticking along well. He got a nice run here. He flashed home. Aussie Playboy. Um, you talk about those Douglas runners. Well, he's one of them, isn't it? Isn't he sort of? And what I've liked about the last couple of weeks is. He's always been pigeonholed by me and probably Skeeter at different times as a mile horse who wants to draw well, get a gun run over a short course trip, and that's where you get the best of him. But I think actually outside of catch a wave and maybe give it a try last week, maybe give it a try last week, Aussie Playboy last week and this week has nearly been the run of the race in these races, and they're over a longer trip and he's been driven a different way. So I think he could be... Another one of the 73 Douglas horses that can get to a, a higher level, at least up into those 80s and strike a blow. 
Yep, no, for sure. He was one of the very few horses for the first half of the card that actually made ground from behind, especially when they're running 55-1 halves, and he's had to make his ground from pretty much last. So to get home the way he did and run third, I thought that was a great run, and you'd certainly got to put him in your black book. Um, give it a try. What did we make of him? I wonder, I wonder, 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 I why, 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 why wonder whether Chris Lang, after leading last week, thought – that the lead might be there a little bit more comfortably and why chase give it a try off the arm? Why not let's just cruise out and we'll probably find the front again. And then all of a sudden there was some uh, assassins from out wider. And I think that might've been the cause of give it a try's issues personally. Having said that, he still wasn't, you talk about being switched on and maybe even backing up week in week out. He still wasn't as good here as he was last week. That's for sure. No, it was like him and catch a wave just swapped roles last week. Give it a try. Tried, got off the gate well. He was up on the bit, travelled really good, fought all the way to the line. But I don't think he ever looked like he was going to be a danger at any stage in the race. Even when he got going running into it around the corner, he just never looked sharp. So as you say, I don't know whether he's had an off week. Maybe he wasn't 100% right. But even getting off the gates, he just didn't seem to have that sparkle. Um, and anything else to take from – the only other one that I – I mean, they've gone really quickly here, 154.6. But the other one that, that appeared to deteriorate significantly was Sassiola because she went super last week in the heat. And you, you, there's just a couple of them. You wonder whether when they, they go so well and normally, like I say, back in the day, you'd go into the final and say, well, we're going to get a replica effort. But on a couple of occasions here, that wasn't quite the case. And Arg is in a weird place, I reckon. He's he sort of – I don't know whether he's he's far more proficient over a short trip, but – where have you got Arg sitting? Because I think when he's in the mood and he's in the right races, he looks like he's a really good horse. But the last couple of weeks, I don't think we've quite seen it. No, I think he definitely likes a short better. Um, he's, he just likes to get out and roll that real solid pace. Like David won on him a couple of weeks back. He just rolled off the gate straight to the front and kept him running. He didn't sit up and have a breather. I think that's sort of his go. But he's look, he's still stuck on really well after going around them. Uh, Sassiola, I just wonder if maybe that little early burn, like they've gone 43-9 lead time and, and sh- you know, Sassiola was working really hard to try to hold that spot behind Catch a Wave um, with Kiss Me Elvis sort of trying to also find that spot and, and Kiss Me Elvis also, you know, dropped out of the race as well. So I just, when they're not at the top of the tree in that field, I just wonder if that early burn just took it out of those guys. We're three races down in our retrospective review of the events that took place at Tabcorp Park Melton on Saturday night. Six races to go. And critically, Steve Cleave is up 1-0 in the music quiz. Let's go to the news, find out what's happening in the world. Come back with song number two and race number four. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Not a TV studio. This is even flow from uh, my favourite band of all time, Pearl Jam. We're going to ding. Give me a ding there, Willem. Oh, shit. Oh. That was a... I think I've now got tinnitus uh, or tinnitus, unfortunately, after that little performance. Uh, That was the MTV Unplugged, I reckon, potentially, was it or not? It was something. Uh, it was Pearl Jam. It was definitely Pearl Jam. It was definitely even flow. So it's one all the music quiz. We're three races down. Steve Cleave and Jabon joining you to uh, take you through Saturday night's racing at Tabcorp Park Mountain. So 
um, a rare night off just sitting in front of the TV or, or either being on air or competing or watching flat out all night. It must have been weird for you, Steve. Uh, no, it was a bit strange. We had the family over and uh, we laid some flooring throughout the, the little cottage that we live in and uh, we ended up lighting a big fire outside and just sitting back and having a few quiet drinks and had no interaction with any social media or racing or TV or anything. So it was really nice just to sit back and relax. That sounds absolutely lovely, to be honest. And you didn't even – and what I love is that you didn't even – Chuck SEN track on or something in the background, and you would have been tempted to. You just thought, well, we're outside, might just flick a bit of radio on, see if there's any music on. Nah, we'll, we'll have to listen to the races, but you didn't even do that. Very strong of you, Steve. It's uh, look, when you eat, sleep, drink, and, and breathe racing, it's sort of hard to not do it, but. You really do. You've got to have a night off every now and then. So it's good for the soul. I think it is. Um, right. Let's move on to race four. Trotters, Tornado Valley Trot, Heat 1. Looks to be a clash between Olavici and Nephew of Sunoco. But um, the small fields here, this is the little issue probably. And there's not a hell of a lot you can do to change it. But when you've got the small fields and you know everyone's going to qualify for the final, well, you're not going to race for sheep stations. Having said that, I do think the winner, Olavici, I think we all agree he's a very progressive horse. Whether we learned a hell of a lot about him on Saturday night, I'm not too sure. One horse I reckon we didn't learn a little bit more about in terms of his, feels like a little bit of a comeback at the moment, was all cashed up. I'm not sure he was asked to do a hell of a lot at the conclusion of the race. And to get so close to Olavici after winning last time out, he feels like he's trending back in the right direction pretty quickly. Yeah, and no, I was really happy with all cashed up's run at... Uh... It was a funny sort of race. They came off the gate, what I thought was that slowly, that, um, you know, Nephew Sunoco was always going to get to the death, but he was planted three and four wide around the first corner because they were just literally jiggy-jogging to their positions. Uh, we had um, Imperial Wiz come off the gate first and then was happy to hand up to All Cashed Up, who was literally just, as I said, jiggy-jogging across to the lead. And then the lead was always there for Olavici. So it, it just took them so long to sort their order out. They were going so slow that Nephew Sunoco ended up restraining, going all the way back to last and then have to make a move at the at the bell to get around to the death seat. So it was a strange start. And like you say, they, there was no one was racing for sheep stations in that race. No. Having said that, what did we make of Nephew of Sunoco? So we know that he's, you know, right at the top of the tree now, probably in Victorian trotting ranks, he'd be in the top um, six or eight, ten if you really wanted to extend it. But I think he'd be probably in most people's top, uh, top seven or eight trotters. He does go back at the start, but then he he sort of rolls around in pretty slow sectionals or a pretty slow period of the race, and he gets beaten 10 metres. Any reason con for concern, or do you just look at this as he was just protected, protected, protected? Um, no, I don't know. Maybe he's just dropped off a little bit. He, you know, he's done a fair bit of racing, um, and in against some really good horses too. So you sort of thought... The way the race was run, although, as I said, he moved forward, but not in fast times and then had to go back and then work his way around him, he should be able to do that. They've only ran home, you know, 27-6 last quarter and, you know, that's, that's you know, not not out of his realm. So I would have expected him to be finishing, you know, right there with Olavici and all cashed up. So in my book, I thought he's a little bit disappointing. Yeah, I, it's, it's hard not to be, really. When you look, they get home in 57-6, but it's all last quarter again. You know, the first four races all run thematically in a similar fashion with the last 400 metres being uh, the critical one here. So Nephew of Sunoco, 
being a slightly older horse, probably doesn't have the speed of the pure speed of a horse like Olavici at four years of age anymore, or all cashed up. The other one I was a bit disappointed by, he was pulling at the back of the field, but we hadn't seen much from Kai Valley Chief since that Inter-Dominion series, really, I don't think, um, in New South Wales. And then he comes back, he hadn't done much, and then showed a glimmer or a glimpse last start. And I thought, okay, we might be onto something here, but... He just sort of battled, but he did pull in transit again. He's just he's just doing a few things wrong at the moment, Kai Valley Chief. He's a little bit of a funny horse. We we know how much ability he's got, but when you go through his form, he really did mix his form a lot. So it yeah. sort of doesn't surprise me. He when he wins, you say, Oh, we know how good he is. But in between those runs, and I'm just quickly scrolling back through his forms now, you know, there's a lots of fifth, sixth, seventh, eighths, and ninths mixed in between his first and second. So he's a hard one to catch and he's not one that I'd be betting on uh, just because of that reason. He, he, you just don't know if you got him or not. I'll tell you the one runner. I'm, I haven't decided to black book quake proof, but to be only beaten 19.8 metres here at, um, well, it says $81, but really could have been 2000 to one. Uh, there's got to be a race for quake proof, a lot easier than this one, but there's got to be a race for quake proof based on this performance. I would have thought. Yeah, well, it's only a rated 57, and it's racing against, you know, some really good trotters. So you, if it gets back to its own grade somewhere, you'd certainly think there's going to be a win in it. Maybe I should have black booked it. I might consider it's, it's a man's prerogative to change his mind. I may still do that. You've got time. Race five uh, was the first leg of the quarter, and this was, to me, really the biggest shock of the night on a couple of fronts. I didn't think that Belmont Royale would get across um, uh, Rick Riley at the start and then to be honest I feel like you know you talk about a million promises at the start of the program I'd given him a couple of chances as well well I felt like I'd given Belmont Royale all the chances that he deserved or needed and yet finally he turns up here and um, produces the kind of run that we all know ability wise that he has in him but we don't see it very often Steve no, that's right. Another one, just like we're talking about with uh, Kai Valley Chief, you, you know he's got that ability. So the win wasn't a shock, but as you say, he's just hasn't been really putting his best foot forward of late. But um, yeah, he certainly wanted to win Saturday night and, and got there just in the shadows of the post. Um, did you did you give him a hope? I mean, did you think he would get across? The, the, the key to this also, I think, if there is one, and I don't think there is one, I think there's probably 15 and Jeff Webster's trying to find the keys. It's like one of those computer games where you hunt around and try and find the keys. He's got about six or seven of them. He's got about seven or eight to go. Uh, is that he does like following a helmet. I think a couple of times he's been in easier races, lead or breeze, and either he loses concentration or he loses a competitive instinct. I think he's a far better horse following a helmet. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And no, I was absolutely shocked that he got across Rick Riley at the start. I, I, I just didn't think Rick Riley would, would get across. But sometimes barrier one can be a funny uh, funny draw for some horses. They just don't seem to get off the gate as quick from barrier one as what they do from, say, three or four. And, and Rick Riley is known to have a bit of gate speed. So that was probably the first shock of the race. Um, Major Meister, better. Obviously, he'd been trolling really well in preparation for his return. I was disappointed with his first up run, but um, uh, Andy Gath gave us every indication on burning questions last Thursday that his beloved wife, Kate, would probably be going forward. That's what happened. I still think he's even better than that, Major Meister, but it was a good step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just going to keep improving. He, he looks like he's getting better with uh, a couple of runs under his belt. So he should be winning pretty soon off that run. 
Cosimo of Black Booked again. Um, he's just one of these horses that has. I think he's enjoying the step up in grade. You, you have these horses, don't you, Steve? Where um, and I, I'm not going to put Belmont Royale quite in that category, but maybe he's in that category as well. It takes him an eternity to win a Metro Maiden or a 70 to 79, but they actually want they want faster run races. They they they, they look inferior in inferior graded races, but they get up in grade and they look much better because they want to follow speed. Yeah, correct. And and he's one of those horses that can take advantage of a, a really good speed and, and always hits the line. And like you say, he lives in the black book. I don't think you'd ever probably take him out. He's just one of those horses that, you know, if you backed him one by four or one by five, every time he goes around the end of the year, you're going to come out well in front, aren't you? Yeah, Rick Rowley, a little bit disappointing. I think so extra um, was four poles and got home okay. I, I must admit, I was surprised that she was so short in betting, but it's a big tick for me here for I'm off and gone. I've been sort of against her all preparation because for the very reason that she gets herself in really awkward positions, but it's going to say in the race book she gets beaten 17.1 metres here, but she'd made up ground very, very, very quickly and just got shunted out by Cosimo, lost all momentum. Um, I think it was a total forgive run, and in fact... I still think she finished off relatively well, given the interference. Yeah, no, I, I made note of that as well there, Bon. I, I looked at the results and I went, gee, I'm often gone $3.40 favourite. They're just, this horse is just starting too short every week. But I think Saturday night was probably the first glimpse of the I'm off and gone of the last season. I remember a win at Ballarat. It might have been Ballarat Cup night last year. And the speed that she showed, like they, they got only 26 something and she just ripped around them like they'll stand and still. And we really haven't seen that from her this time in. But like you say, before she got checked by Cosimo on the corner, the speed that she showed was just a real replica of what she showed last time in. And, and that was sort of a big tick going forward because the last few runs have just I don't know that they haven't really been eye catching, but like you say, she she just lost all momentum on the corner, uh, finished it off well. But you know, once you lose that momentum, it's so hard to try to pick it up again. Uh, and a very examination for we haven't got the stewards report out yet, I don't believe. But uh, last one we'll discuss is Jillaby Nitro. Uh, is it just totally set in stone now? As long as everything is okay and nothing, you know, nothing. Nefarious took place in transit for Jillyby Nitro and they continue on with his preparation. There's been a lot of discussion about how much better he is when you just drive him off the speed cold, follow a helmet, one run. I feel like going forward, that's plan A, B, C, D and E from from here on, I think, for him. Yeah, I think so. I think his best run uh, was going back early in this prep when he, he did. He pulled four wide, you know, from nearly last around the corner at Melton and, and just went around on like they were standing still. So... Uh, it said he pulled hard. It did look like he got keen, but he wasn't up eyeballing the leaders and really charging. So that's sort of questionable how much the keenness sort of took out of him. But uh, let's just hope he's all right because he is a very handy horse. It's amazing how important, isn't it? Uh, and this is the thing. Sometimes you have the uh, the great enough arenas you run into at the pub who want to tell you something about a race. But it's so important to actually acknowledge and avail yourself of uh, learning the personalities of these horses because they aren't as quirky as thoroughbreds. Thoroughbreds have got a million quirks and a million reasons why they can get beaten at different times. But increasingly standard breads do have very significant racing personalities. And if you don't know them, something could look extremely unusual to, to you. Even the catch a wave situation last week, I'm sure 
I reckon somebody even commented some complete nuffy that, oh, how did he get beaten last week and then he brains him this week? I'll tell you what, because he absolutely doesn't go anywhere near as well when he doesn't have that gear on. And a horse like Jillaby Nitro, all of these horses, if you don't know their personalities and you don't educate yourself, you have very little chance of winning, I reckon, Steve. Yeah, no, totally agree with you there, mate. And a lot of horses have a set racing pattern. Um, and, and like you say, as soon as you drive them outside the comfort zone, it, it can be a huge difference between maybe a horse that runs, you know, in the top four every week to one running dead last. And you, you've got to know their patterns to to decide whether or not you want to back him. And, and he's a horse, I think, you know, you want to be backing him when he's driven cold. 100%, if indeed... Hopefully when that steward's report comes out and we get a follow-up report from that scope, everything was okay because he was, on face value, very disappointing. Break time here, Metrospective edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. When we come back, the feature of the night, really, the VHRC Caduceus Victoria Size Classic at Group 3 level. We'll discuss that. And we'll also discuss the big milestone from Emma Stewart up at Tabcorp Parkman Angle 100 Group 1 winners. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason. Everything's going to be fine? Uh, I know that everything, I know that everything, I know that everything's going to be fine. That's not the name of the song? What, no. You get an opportunity, Steve. Do you know the name of the song? Do you want a bit I have more? No idea at the moment. I'm going to have to hear some more. Hear some more. Long intro. It's bloody, um, you said Green Dutch, one of these emo bands. It's like a good Charlotte or a uh, Blink 182. Zoe Scotter. Yeah, my girlfriend takes me home when I'm too drunk to drive. You got anything for us, Steve? Nah. Nah, pass on that one. Who is it? Josie. Is it, is it the one that says everything's going to be fine? Yeah, right. These bloody songs that don't, you can't. Uh, we've only got a minute or two, so we won't go through another race until we, um, until we did a little link up here. Steve, but I did want to mention uh, the incredible achievement up at Tabcorp Parkman Angle on Saturday night. Emma Stewart, 100 group one wins at 40 years of age. It's, it's a staggering achievement, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, it's hard enough to get one group one winner, but to get 100, that is just a mammoth effort. First trainer to do that, uh, I think, in the harness racing game. So, yeah, it's it's hats off to them because they do a terrific job. Uh, first responder got the job done, and uh, I, I saw Emma after uh, interview that she did after the race, and she looked pretty chuffed. Yeah, and Mark Pitt was... Um... A man not normally given over to too much emotion, but he was pretty emotional as well. I think the adrenaline got to him to be part of... He's been part of a couple of massive things already, hasn't he, with with Emma, including driving those nine winners down in Tasmania, and now he'll forever be the trivia answer of who drove Emma Stewart's 100th Group 1 winner, and it was first responder. So um, it's it's a... It's quite a... Uh, well, it is a massive privilege for the many drivers over the years that have been involved with the Emma Stewart, Stewart Clayton Tonkin camp, but uh, Mark Pitt's riding the wave right now. 
Yeah, no, he is. He's enjoying a great run. He, he's driving them terrific, and uh, he's having a terrific run. And you have a look at that race. The first five horses home were all Victorian trained. And uh, hats off, too, to Shane and Ryan Sanderson, you know, $71, and they got in for second place. So they had a great night. Emma then got third and fourth, and uh, Rodney Lakey got Captain Hammerhead home for fifth. So the Victorians, they certainly had a ball up there. And before we go to a break, just to give people, the thoroughbred listeners, a, a little bit of context, Chris Waller is 49 years of age and has trained 137 Group 1 winners. Emma Stewart is only 40 years of age and already has 100. Have a think about that for three or four minutes as we come back. We head to a break and we'll come back. And for the second now, we'll get stuck into a few of the very big races, including that Vic Size Classic I've already mentioned, one in dramatic, last to first fashion by a very smart horse named Interest Free. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason, I'm just going to say all the small things. It's not that, is it? No, they all sound the same to me, these songs. Way you go, Steve. Take, take a little oh. bit of time. You've got about a minute here with it, this music. Before. I know the song. i just got to get the word, the, the name of it. Keep playing. Play away. Away you go, Will. Give him another opportunity. About 35 seconds, 30 seconds, Steve. It's coming. Retrospective trots life. Warning. Warning. Ding, he's waiting for the ding. His ding's not working still. Willem has, uh, we've, we've actually got it, we've... We've made an appointment with a nearby GP because the dinghy is not working, unfortunately, for Willem at the moment. But he's, he's, it, it is actually, it's just a delayed ding at the moment. He just can't get his ding on time. 2-1. Um, a late ding is better than no ding. 2-1. This is, this is what is going to make this competitive. I'll tell you what, this, that I call it emo music or whatever, post-punk, whatever. It doesn't have to be rock, honestly. Anything before 2010 is fine. I know this music. Jason, hard out music. That means we're going to the news when we come back. Second hour of Metrospective Trot's Life here on SEN Track. And we've got some big races to come. Black Book is also from Steve Cleave and I. But I've got a little idea. I'm going to pose in the second hour as well about what we might do going forward now that Steve's joining me on a regular basis for Metrospective. I'll talk about that in a moment for now. Go and get a cup of tea. Come back. One more big hour to come. Listening to the Monday Metrospective with Jason Bonington on SEN Track. Jason, it's tomorrow by Silverchair. No. Oh, I thought you. I thought you'd tell, I thought, 
It was right, wasn't it? Let's go tomorrow, my soldier. Do you know this, Steve? No, the song. I got no idea of the name, mate. Great music. No wonder Tubertura just trying to rip off. <laughs> That's Grand Fans with the first couple of songs. She's that set of Now, isn't it? I don't think it says it now. What's it called? No. In Bloom. He's, do, he's, no. got, he's doing he's a good never job. Got that. He's got a little bit of uh, Michael Thompson about him where he's picking songs that where the, the actual. There is no Michael Thompson about him. There is no Michael Thompson about him. I knew that I'd get him. Um, that he, the, the, the songs don't have the lyric, the um, the actual name title in the in the lyrics or in the chorus, but. That's okay. It's 2-1, two, two, I think, at the moment. And we're going to move forward to more retrospective. We also want to discuss very quick. Uh, Willem, do you, do you follow golf? Uh, a do, little bit. Do you bit. follow it, Steve? Because I've read something during the week. So that's Scotty Scheffler's had an absolute meltdown, right? And he's, got, he's been beaten. Uh, Rory McElroy's got to him. But there was this big blow-up between he and Cam Smith over him walking through the line. And Cam Smith's calling him a, saying it was a dick move and everything. Did you read anything about this at, at all or not? Yeah, I actually saw it on Twitter when he did walk across his line. And, and even uh, in the newer day where golf's a bit more relaxed than what it used to be, it's not a great move. I'm just trying to work out whether they were just having fun with everyone or whether they were really pissed off. Because if they were, I'm glad old mate Sheffler got he imploded and, and got rolled. But anyway, we move forward. Um, we're up to race number five, I believe, in their six. Uh, race six we are now. This is a big one, isn't it? Um, well, there were a couple of group threes, but this was really the big one of the night, the Vic Size Classic, an interest-free. He wins the race. Um, gee, it was a weird, messy affair, though, wasn't it? Star Celebrity was looming into it. I don't know how close you think she was going to go. Brutally handsome. Took off three wide a lap out, which you rarely see in these sort of races these days, but flushed out Kafaji. Uh, Beach Villa was disappointing. There's a lot to unpack here. Start wherever you'd like to start, Steve. Yeah, no, look, the winner was absolutely brilliant. Um, I was a little bit surprised at how good odds it started at. I mean, it's, its form of late has been fantastic. It's been racing in some really good quality fields. And I know the barrier draw was against it, but I expect him to be a lot closer to the, the favourite than what he was. So anyone who did get the $4, that starting odds, I don't know what he actually got to earlier on, but anyone who did take those odds, uh, congratulations to him because this horse has certainly got a bit of something special about it. It can it can do work early and go to the front and lead, or as we saw the other night, he can get restrained. He had to go all the way back to last, and when he let loose, he, he just put him to bed real quick. Yeah, that last probably... So I was on Kafaji, hoping Kafaji would lead, but that last... And I know they've only got home in 28-4, but the last sort of 100, 150 metres from interest-free where he, he peeled and hit top gear was... Super impressive. And you just don't see many races won from 
last, are you, at uh, at Tabcorp Park, Melton? In fact, anywhere, but really on a Saturday night at Melton in good races, they don't win from last. So I'm, I've got to say, I'm not sold that he's a superstar, this horse, but he's, he's very, very good, and he's been at this very high level for a long time now. I... I think the thing about him is he doesn't look flashy. So you you go back to catch a wave. He just looked flashy winning that race. And, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in good horses like that because they sort of show off, you know, by winning by big margins and whatnot. This bloke, I I think he's a quality horse and he's going to keep bobbing up in good races because of that able to either use off the gate, get into a good posse, you know, happen to be leaders back or tucked away somewhere. He's got that acceleration up the home straight, which he's used quite a few times at Melton. And I think you'll find, you know, at the end of his career, he's going to be up there money-wise winning races, you know, as good as probably 90%, you know, the good horses can do because he's just got that little bit of extra artillery that, We'll get him into those good good races, and and if the races run right, he can certainly win them. Isn't it funny? You go back to the um, the Breeders' Crown final from last season. Catch a wave wins. Brutally handsome second. Brutally handsome goes great again here. And interest free was fifth. Only split by Tim's a trooper and Flash Jimmy. Now, here's a question for you, and not an easy one, Steve. Catch a wave wins that race or defeats interest free in that Breeders' Crown last year by sixteen meters. How much is there between them right now? I reckon it would be only a couple of lengths. Interesting. This is a, so. It's going to be some of these races are going to be a bit more enjoyable to watch than we expected because I think most people would have thought that Catch a Wave is just going to go ahead and keep smashing on. Is interest free clearly better than everything else in this race? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, okay. I think he showed that the other night. I mean, they, they didn't go extremely hard. I mean, they went 44-3 early, you know, when they come out the gate running, wanting to have a little bit of a look to the top. 30.2, 30.4, you know, they, they didn't break 28 for a quarter. So the ones up the front had their chances to win it, uh, but interest-free managed to come from last and go around them. So I, I think he's the best in that field. Right. Even though he disappointed me slightly, um, uh, Kafaji, he's still a nice horse, but I, but look, I think he had his opportunity and I, he, has never, he hasn't been one of mine for a while. And I think... If he was going to win one of those big races, he would have won here. Star Celebrity was the most interesting run because of the um, – I know people will say it was only a a short-term locking of the wheels, but Star Celebrity hasn't had very many starts at all. And when they're very inexperienced and they start to loom and they lose their momentum like that, it's almost impossible to know how many metres you need to give back to them at the finish, isn't it, Steve? Because – she was cruising at the time, and she seemed to drop her bundle a little bit when that happened, and it took her a while to pick herself back up again. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when they're tough and racehorses, they can take a big hard bump like that and, and just sort of shrug it off. But young horses that are a bit inexperienced, if it's never happened to them before, it can really sort of put them off their game. And, and look, we saw it with I'm Off and Gone. You know, once you get checked it's hard to pick that momentum back up again. Once, Like you say, you lose that momentum. It's really hard, especially, you know, when you're running 28 quarters or quicker to get going again. And it's, uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, take anything off that horse, you know, running forth. I think she would have finished a lot closer. Brutally handsome would be uh, a, a wonderful and slightly frustrating horse to own or to train because he's very, very, very good. He's very versatile and he just lacks that tiny little bit of. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's speed more than anything else, isn't it? I think it's. I think it's pure pace that brutally handsome just lacks to be able to 
win these races, but he's never going to be far away. No, and I thought his run the other night was really good. Leading up the three-wide line, uh, you know, until Kafaji popped out, I, I thought his run was quite good to be still right there, only getting beaten, you know, length and a half. Uh, now, the disappointing runs, Beach Villa is... Yeah, I don't know. I can't say too much more about Beach Villa. I think um, something might have been wrong, but he's he's a... I think he's a miler, and he's a miler left alone in front, or maybe with the trail at the moment. He certainly doesn't uh, quite have the intestinal fortitude of some of his relatives. Jaws of Lincoln had a checkered passage, but I thought was just okay going over the line, and relentless me, something might have gone wrong there too, but Jack Law decided to have a crack at the start, and ultimately that that didn't work out. There were a couple of runs um, of horses who either suffered through the interference or were interfered with a little bit themselves, one that got a clear run, Karamar Solomon is going to be a nice, going to win, a, you know, a much easier race and maybe get to this grade at some point. I think, Steve. Yeah, certainly got the you know nice run through the field. It's certainly got its share of ability. Just needs to find its its right grade. It's it's not up to interest free and and the likes. But as you say, when it gets back in its own grade, it's certainly going to be winning a race. Jaws of Lincoln looked to be bolting around the corner, but then just didn't seem to find much up the home straight. Beach Villa, like you say, oh, what an enigma that horse is. He, uh, you go to his run at Kilmore, uh, a few runs, three runs back. He just got to the front, went one fifty three eight, and just said, you know, you guys aren't going to beat me. And uh, you know, interest free couldn't couldn't beat him home that night. And that you see him Saturday night, and you just yeah, just couldn't mix it with him at all. So he uh, he is a real head scratcher for their owners. I think the other one that I'm going to keep following is Elegant. Now, Elegant, again, a little bit like Doug's Babe, turned up first up from a break and hadn't trialled, and I thought you're probably short of a run, and it played out that way. Now, second up from a break here, had a slightly checkered passage, had to get back to the inside, got home pretty well, and I think she's a pretty nice filly. I, I, I like this one. Yeah, no, I think she certainly has got a, a bit of class about her, and like you say, it's sort of funny when they have – don't have trials leading into races. It's very hard to get a gauge on them. In their first few runs, sometimes you just got to maybe forget about them. Even if they show you a glimpse, the next start they might go a little bit poorly just through that fitness and the way they come through the run. But you have a look at a few of Jeff Webster's horses. He does it with a lot of them where he doesn't trial them. But then you see him have their, say, their fourth run back from the spell, and that's where they're really peaking. So definitely keep your eye on Elegant. It'll be winning its share of races. Now time for a break here on Trot's Life Metrospective Edition. When we come back, the kicking of myself begins. First with Better Be The Bomb and then with Art of Sheng Lee. But Better Be The Bomb, how did he pay $41? We'll ask Steve Clay when we come back from this break. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason. Yeah. Don't speak, boy, no doubt. Yep. You knew that one, didn't you? Uh, that... Don't speak. I was a big Gwen oh, oh, fan. Big Gwen fan? Yeah. Um, I thought I got it wrong there. Willem was giving me the, come on, you've got to do me more than don't speak. But he was looking for the ding. It was his delayed dinger he was going for. And I was thinking to myself, I'm in big trouble here because that's what I thought the song was called. That was the first hit, I reckon, that they might have had, uh, no doubt, before Gwen I'm went, just a girl. I'm just a girl. And then Gwen went out on her own, of course. Um, tick, tock, tick, tock.
stuck along the rest of it. Right, let's move on. Metrospective. Uh, here on SEN Track Trots Live, 11 till 1, Monday to Thursday, Friday form panel, 10.30 till 12 on Fridays. We're trying to find winners for the Friday form panel. And now we're going to the fast class race of the night. I'm really, I, I really am kicking myself here. I don't know uh, what your thoughts were pre-race, Steve, but better be the bomb. We spoke about um, these, you know, older, more seasoned horses and what they're capable of doing. Well, better be the bomb. There was a time... Going back, it must have been, I can't remember how many months ago it was, but Torrid Satan and Better Be The Bomb, um, when a couple of the real big guns were off the scene, were sharing the free-for-alls. There wasn't much between them. Torrid Saint's clearly gone to another level. Whether Better Be The Bomb had was probably up for some conjecture, but he, he won that race like he won, and I mentioned it a few times on Saturday night, that Casey Classic, um, going back some time ago where he uh, where he sat last and came home all over the top of them. That's what he's capable of. And I, I think horses like Rock and Roll do got a little taste of what they're going to be facing when they go up against those older horses as they progress forward from here. Yeah, no, 100% agree there, Bond. It's uh, pretty even at the top now with these horses uh, in this class. But uh, he's been knocking on the door. Like his last sort of four starts or three runs since his second, popular arms sprint at Kilmore. He got beaten 2.9 metres there. Went to Bendigo in the Metro, got beaten 2.4 metres, uh, running fifth. Uh, last start, he's run six, but he only got beaten 5.6 metres in the El Maestro free-for-all. Like, as you say, how this horse went around at $40, it's just mind-boggling because he's been really knocking on the door and, and it's great to see him get back into the winnings, winner's circle. As you say, uh, he probably hasn't gone to the next level, but He's he's back to where I think he's been, and and that's where he, it's good enough. Well, he's the kind of horse now. Kirsten Graham was mentioning this on the Trots Vision uh, panel on Saturday night that he it's not about the fact that he can win an Inter Dominion, but he can. You feel like that he's the kind of horse that could make the final because he'll back up well. He's hardened. He he knows what it's all about. He I think he'll love. He does love long trips. We've seen that previously at country cup level. So he could be an inter-dominion finalist. And I reckon Anthony Butt made some um, really interesting comments about uh, how he needs to be driven as well in the post-race interview on Saturday night. We all care about animal welfare, but uh, if you watch the conclusion of this race, uh, Ant said the little horse needs to be stood over a little bit and needs to be reminded and he'll fox to you unless you, you let him know who's boss. And I think that was really critical in him winning because Ants was giving him a couple of good flicks towards the end to make sure that he got past Rock and Roll too. Yeah, and as you say, it's not like they're going out there and flogging horses to death or anything like that. He He's just asked him, you know, for his best right on the line. And, and yeah, some of these older horses, they do get a little bit cunning. And, uh, uh, you know, a bloke like Anthony Budd, he's one of the best reinsmen out there and he doesn't let him stand over him too often. Um, Willie Go West is another one. Now, I've pigeonholed this this guy as being a superstar when he's in front and when he's rolling along in front. We've seen him break multiple track records when he's able to do that, particularly over long trips. He, I don't, I'm not really into futures bets on on series like the Inter Dominion or races in general because I don't know if you're good enough prices. But I just wonder if you if you could envisage in your mind him getting through to the final and drawing to lead in the final of an Inter Dominion. He's actually, I think, good enough to win. Only if he leads. But this was a great, a great indication of where he might be going to this preparation because he wasn't in front. These weren't his ideal circumstances, and he went really, really well. I reckon, Steve. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I've actually got him in my black book with a couple of others out of this race. Um, I, I was really impressed with that first up effort. Uh, he's just sort of, it's like he's found a new uh, bit of armour to his gear. He, he just uh, never used to come that good, you know, with a trail. Like you said, in front, he was nearly unbeatable. But Saturday night, I, I think he showed another side to him. And if that's the case, he's he's certainly going to go places. Who else goes in there? Is he's enchanted to try another one? Yep, that's another one. I've actually got three of the top four in there. So I think uh, better be the bomb, Willie Go West and Enchanted Stride I've, I've put in my black book. Yeah, Enchanted Stride is just um, – she's one of those – we spoke about this again on Saturday night, and I reckon uh, uh, Nikita Ross has been a massive fan of Enchanted Stride all the way through. She – as good as she goes against the girls, she's another one that just loves a hot tempo and goes sometimes equally well against the boys, I reckon, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Some of the mares do that, um, but it just seems to be tougher racing. And when they're going more even pace than maybe sitting up and then showing speed, uh, good mares can really enjoy that. And she's one of those, you know, she got well back and, and had to really make up some ground. But, uh, you know, the, the ground she made up when they're getting home in a, a 56, nine half, then there's got to be a win in her really soon. And uh, I'm sure David's hoping it's soon because the breeding barn will be knocking soon. Um, and I think lost the Pantheist recently as well to America. So um, another time of rejuvenation for poor old Molsey. This does happen. You get your good horses and then they either get moved on or um, they retire. But Enchanted Stride is going terrifically well. Now, a couple of the disappointing runs. Uh, Reactor now has been stood down and Yambuckian was scoped as well. But even if... Some, well, let's hope nothing was slightly amiss with Reactor now, but I feel like he's he's in the Beach Villa world a little bit at the moment. Um, I keep giving him chances, and uh, he keeps sort of uh, wasting them. Yeah, Bucky and I just wonder whether Yeah, Bucky and it's it's a case of he has just done so much hard work in recent weeks. He's been brutalised, not through the fault of anybody. If anybody is at fault, it's probably the horse himself because of that lack of early speed that he has. But that run on Saturday night looked to me like a horse who was just like, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of sitting six wide trying to get to the breeze. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree to there. It's, it's a really tough thing to do. And he's such a big horse and he's a bit like my bloke here at home. They don't have, you know, tactical speed to use coming from behind. So the best place for him is the death seat. But it is hard to keep doing that week in, week out. And he was gone a long way from home uh, Saturday night. And, yeah, it was very disappointing. Let's hope he's pulled up all right. He, as I said, he may have just come to the end of his run and need a little bit of a freshen up. But I'm sure Andy will certainly work out what's happening there. And like you said, reacting now, it was too bad to be true. But uh, he, he is a quirky horse, isn't he? Yeah, he's... Um... It's just about enough for him and I. I think it's been it's been a lovely run. We have enjoyed our time together, but it's time to part ways. Um, rock you say roll. that, and then you'll be back on in a few weeks. Well, this is I, I have been known. Well, <laughs> actually, most of the time in real life, when I, even if I wanted to go back, the door's well and truly locked by the time I try and get there. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Steve, rock and roll. Do is the other horse we've got to discuss. I think uh, just quickly, Sicario was pretty good, and uh, Mighty Flying Art was held up for a while as well. So went. Went good, but um, rock and roll do now on face value. Maybe he was a touch disappointing. He was first up from a break, he looked the absolute winner when Mick Stanley launched him and he made up his ground super quickly. It's almost a weird case of 
if you had sort of six ticks to get ticks and crosses to give out, he's got three ticks and three crosses, and I don't know what to make of the run. I think ultimately it was more than a pass mark because he's only been beaten 1.2 metres, but the expectation of this horse is that I think under those circumstances he would have won. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a pass mark from mine. I, I watched the replay a few times. He just wasn't comfortable from the start, um, and I'm sure he'll 100% improve off this run. Um, I'm not sure. He hung out really bad leading up to the mobile, all the way around the corner, and then again just before release point, he got his head up in the air and he was hanging out pretty badly. All the way around the first corner, he was still hanging, going into the back straight. Michaels released the hobble shorteners and looked like he straightened up and and sort of got traveling a little bit more comfortable then. Um, But even around the home corner, when he hit the front, he had his head still sort of cocked to the side and his ears were sort of moving back and forth like he wasn't 100% comfortable. So hopefully there's, uh, you know, nothing wrong there. It might be just something very minor. I know when you've got uh, hobbles are a bit tight on a horse, it can make them hang. So that may have been the issue, but understandably so. He's got the hobble shorteners in him because he broke in the four-year-old Bonanza and then the chariots of fire, and you just can't be doing that in this class of race. So hopefully, you know, as I said, Mick can sort out any little issues that may be just causing that, and I'm sure we'll see the best of this horse soon because he's a really exciting horse, and I know, you know, Mick's looking forward to the Inner Dominions with him. I'll tell you what, if he does get to be a, a, a real superstar down the track, and there's every chance that will happen, he's going to be a cult hero because he just races. He's got so many quirks. Willem and I were talking about some of the quirks of the people here at, um, at SEN Track, but I'll tell you what, he's... He's going to have people who just come and watch him. He's got that Lenny the Shark feel about him. I've never seen a, a horse stick their head further out. Um, it's like he's trying to peck at something when he's racing. He does turn his head to one side. He looks so long and and um, he, he's difficult to balance. Like he's going to become a cult hero, I think, if he gets to the top, just because of his eccentricities, if nothing else. Yeah, and you got to remember, he's only had 26 starts. So, you know, he's he's relatively, uh, you know, lightly raced. So he's going to get better as he, you know, races more, and especially in this top class as well. I think you'll find he'll just keep improving. I don't want him to ever become completely normal. That would be boring. We'll go for the news <laughs> now. Come back. We've still got a couple of races to go, plus our Black Bookers on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. Steve Cleave joining you with Jabon. And I'm going to try and put this music quiz to bed, hopefully, uh, after the next break or after we get the news and find out what's happening around the globe. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason, totally addicted to bass. I'm waiting for the ding. I know the ding is coming. That's the main thing. I can feel it. And a ding. Um, this is a good one. I just saw from, uh, you would have seen this on Twitter, maybe Steve from Nixon Bloodstock. Um, uh, there's a little picture with the Emma Stewart 100 Group 1 wins and, and it says Clayton Tonkin drives first responder to victory in the Group 1 Nutrient 2-year-old Colson Geldings final at Menangle with the picture. Um I knew Clayton was shredding at the moment after putting on some muscle, but I didn't. I didn't know he was Mark Pitt size. Did you? No, he's gone. Just for the brief time. Um, you there? Yeah, I'm just lolling anyway. Uh, Sorry. I'm, yes. I'm not. I'm not sure whether you saw that one on Twitter. 
Yeah, no, I did. It's, uh, it was a great effort for Clayton to get down that far. That's, uh, that's a pretty good effort. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. It's not, not as bad as the one a couple of weeks back. It was at Channel 9 who uh, was saying, well done, Paddy Ryder, and great job with your career. And it wasn't a picture of Paddy Ryder, was it? <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't a picture of Paddy Ryder. That was... You had one job. One jo- re- really, 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 sometimes I think that. You have one job. Just go out. I mean, I feel like I could get my... Uh, Eight-year-old daughter, go and find a picture of Patty Ryder on the internet. Now crop it up. Now, 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 just email it to dad. She could do that for some reason. Somebody else can't. Right. Moving forward, uh, we've got a couple of races left to go. And Art of Shangli, this is more heartbreak for me. I never backed it. It is in the black book already. I reckon the last four starts have all been outstanding. But I tell you what, the more you go back and watch this win, the more enormous and and more unusual it is because. She was in a relatively good position, it seemed, Steve, and then coming around the turn, has lost the compass, lost ground, lost momentum, headed out wide on the track, and then balanced up and still found a way to win. Yeah, no, I was uh, a bit dirty when I saw that she won. I've, I've tipped her the last couple, uh, thought she's been racing great. And I spoke to Vince uh, last weekend when I worked on Trot's Vision and, and he said he's just waiting for her to get a barrier draw where, you know, she well, can use a gate speed yeah. and lead and, and she'd be right in it. And uh, here she is doing the total opposite. Like you said, she's uh, she's got the track up and then lost her position going wide around the corner and then got shoved even wider. And you sort of thought no hope, but gee, she hit the line sensationally and uh, and well deserved win. It, you know, Vince has done a great job with this mare. She's uh, she's been racing terrific, and she's always thereabouts. So it's great to see her back in the winner's circle. Um, yeah, like it's it, it is one of those situations, and this is the this is a complexity with with um, with with tipping and backing, I guess horses. I, I mean, I I did say on Trot's Vision, and I made her my best value on the program. But never invested myself because I just thought I don't know how this is 100% going to work out for her. And a little bit like Vince, I thought we're just waiting for the right race and the right draw. And I guess I felt the spectre of runaway celebrity, but that's now three runs back. And on face value, it will say a, a good second running home in strong grade in the Vic Bread Platinum Mare Sprint Championship final, a solid win in reasonable time at Maryborough against the boys. And a one-metre margin at Melton, but there is no doubt in the world she ain't going anywhere near what she's capable of at the moment, this preparation, Steve. No, you would expect the run she had uh, and everything sort of just worked out right, that she should have been clearly winning that race if she was back to her absolute best. But it was a pretty close finish. I mean, there wasn't much in between them. And you look at, you know, a half neck, a neck, a metre 10 and and two metres 10 back to the fifth horse. So she was a pretty close finish. And I'm sure if you had your money on any of them, you, you held your breath for that last 50 metres, that's for sure. She was beaten. So Runaway Celebrity was beaten three point. This is a, a semi-final of the Breeders' Crown. Beaten 3.9 metres by Beach Music and Joanna uh, beating home Tough Tilly. And then we go to her run in the semi-final of the Vic Bread Super Series a little bit later last year. Ladies in red, Joanna, Runaway Celebrity third, Doug's Babe fourth. And then you've got horses like Tay-Tay and, uh, and some good horses down the track. So I don't know what it is. Tell me... Riddle me this one. I don't know if you've been in this position before. Emma Stewart did mention, Steve, that they rushed her a little bit to to make that mare sprint championship final because she'd won a heat so much earlier in the season. And they thought, oh, no, it's, it's, it's come around. It's sort of – it's come around a little bit quicker than we thought it would. Can that – if you run 
a horse in a race a little bit before they're ready, can that send the entire preparation off kilter sometimes? Yeah, it certainly can. You, you know, if you decide you want to go and get a little bit fit, you go to the gym and you go too hard and you, you pull up pretty ordinary and it takes a while to get over it. It's it's a little bit the same if they're not quite ready for a really hard run. Um, and that's why we use trials so much, getting horses race fit um, and not just going straight into the races. It can take them a while just to sort of get back to the right spot. It just sort of takes that edge off them and it can flatten them off a bit. So um look she's certainly not going bad but she she is a fair few lengths off her best so hopefully she can turn it around soon and you'll see her back winning um out of that race anything more to add not really ruby wingate's obviously going uh mick bellman told us earlier in the night going better than her figure form would suggest outback shadow just didn't quite have the pickup speed to go with them i actually backed her a place she's been beaten 2.1 meters you'd think well that's a place but it's not it's fifth um and aliens exist i think some he, he took it down straight away, but some absolute pickle, I think, uh, got, uh, responded to me on um, or messaged me on Facebook it, publicly and said, I can't believe you put Aliens Exist second last, you muppet. Um, she'll, she'll just blow these away. She finished second last. So whoever you are, you're the muppet. Right, race <laughs> nine. Backlash Bond. Race nine. This was um, – I would like to know what Vacation Hill was trading in the run. I was very confident that she'd lead, Steve. She did. Um, and when you think back to her previous run over the short trip, beating horses like, you know, Mouldy Law and Credit Master and Nephew of Sunoco, I thought it was game over. But there do seem to be some indications that she's significantly better over the short as well. Or was Adele just in a different world? Nah, look, the times they went, I, I think she's a short trip specialist. Um, she's still gone very good. But I think if it was a short trip Saturday night, I don't think they would have got anywhere near her. She found the front effortlessly. Like, she crossed from barrier five before they even got to the semaphore board, you know, and that's another 50 metres before the winning post. So did no work to get there, had the race just absolutely to herself. No one wanted to put any pressure on until Adele got up when they got running at the 400. So there was absolutely no excuses for Vacation Hill. Um, but as I said, over the short, I, I don't think they would have caught her. But Adele went terrific, um, Was yet, had to make the move up on her own. Ofertuna uh, went well, but had, had the nice hit in the race. So you'd expect it to be right there from that run. And uh, Robbie Royale, Stuck on us always, and my used to be Gallop at the 400, which took her out of the race. Now, um, her gate speed is an issue uh, week, week in, week out, but I'm thinking as we head towards those big races like an Inter Dominion series, you could do worse if you got massive odds into back Adele. I mean, Adele has won that John Slack Memorial trot at Ballarat, defeating Mouldy Law and Brandlow Prince and Nephew of Sunoco and Powder Keg and these sort of horses. And then um, even further back, I remember her monstering Hopeful Beauty one night. She's monstered Vacation Hill here. She weirdly flies a little bit under the radar. You wouldn't think being trained and driven by the winningest horsewoman in the history of the world that you could fly under the radar, particularly with a name like Adele. But she does somehow because she's very good. She is. She is very good, but she just seems toughness is certainly her go. She doesn't have that, you know, high sprint. But as you can see by the sectionals, you know, they've run the closing sectionals there, 28-6, 28-7, and she's had to do that moving up. So, you know, she's once she sort of gets to that high speed, she can hold it for a very long time. Yeah, I, I, I really, really like her. I did say uh, before the race, even though I tipped Vacation Hill, that 
if it was in a straight line, I think Adele's the best of the three of them. Oh, Fortuna, uh, we mentioned, did get the nice sit. She just, it was a little bit weird. She just lost her way or, or lost the capacity to keep up for about 150 metres and then rallied hard. And one thing I did mention on Trot's Vision I do like to look at is where that where they are 100 metres after the line, Steve. Uh, and O Fortuna was continuing to run through and was, in fact, in front of Adele after the line. So there was nothing wrong with the run. And I think it's something that people should do, particularly when they're watching horses build momentum, to see if they carry it through the line as an indication of how they'll go at their next start. Yeah, 100% there. I know driving them, I like, you know, sort of give you a good feel on a horse. When, if you're coming home late, and maybe not even looking a winning chance, but that horse still powers around that corner after the finishing post. You know they get they're building up to a win. So Ofa Junior's done that sort of racing into really good fitness now, and it's going to be uh, back in the winner's circle as well. Okay, it's time for another break. We'll come back. It's and we'll also uh, align and assess our black bookers for the upcoming week or weeks of racing. I think I've got three or four. I suspect Steve's got a couple more than me. He's got three in one race. So I think he might have five or six and we'll lay them all on you straight after this break on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective (laughs) on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 736. Jason. Yes. Did you just scream Jason? <laughs> I didn't say anything. Uh, I, I think I know that it. It's, was a, you. it's around the world by Daft Punk. Anyway, so you can... You, you can just backfired. You can be that backfired. <laughs> I was just sitting on it. I, I was sitting... Jason! There, there you go. That wasn't bad, actually. That frightened me a little bit, and it was um, <laughs> it was entertaining, and I've, uh, I've got the job done. I, I'm going to actually bring you in. So what I'm going to do on Mondays as well, we'll have a little bit of fun with the music still, but I gonna, uh, I'm either going to get Ace, as he used to do a long time ago, do a quiz for the two of us. Yep. Or um, or I might even write you uh, one every Monday while we're doing Metrospective. So there's going to be a quiz element, another quiz element, I reckon, to uh, to this show. Now, let's get to Black Bookers. How many do we have, Steve? I've got four. Okay. I, I thought it was a tough. I thought it was really tough to put some of them in the black boot, just because the way the races were run. When you're up front, running slow early sectionals, and then a real quick dash home, I I don't know that's really good for black book, and unless you're coming from behind and making up really ground. So Belmont Royale, Major Meister were two that I almost put in there. Um, interest free. Well, we know how good he is, so I haven't put him in there, but he's certainly a horse to follow. Um, and Arda Shanglei, she's already in there, so they were my ones that were on the edge. Yep. But I have Black Book all cashed up. I yes. thought it was really good taking a bit of ground off Olavici late and wasn't really pushed out, so that was a good sign. It wasn't sort of under any real pressure. And then the three out of the main race better be the bomb. Enchanted Stride and Willie Go West. So they're my four black bookers for the meeting. All right. I I I have agree with you with all cashed up. Um, probably sometimes a reason why I won't black book a horse is because we definitively know it's very next start. So if it's heat into final, for instance, there was some uh, – I would have black booked again Aussie Playboy last start, but you know he's got to go into the final that he went to into Saturday night against Catch a Wave. I am – Black booking Aussie Playboy now. He's got an almost permanent residency in the retrospective. Black book has um, 
as Aussie playboy, but I reckon he's in career best form. Both of his runs through this Vic Brett Championship Series, eye-catching. Now, in the same race as Olavici and All Cashed Up, and this sounds weird because I'm not putting All Cashed Up in, but Quake Proof I have to put in because I think there's no doubt in the world that it's going to be able to find an infinitely easy race. We spoke about it being a rating 57. Well, there'll be a race for Quake Proof. I've black booked Cosimo, um, who... He's one of those – so sometimes – we've seen it a little bit, I guess, with horses like uh, Magic Mike didn't make the step up. Captain Confetti sort of did, but not quite. Cosimo seems really well suited to stepping from the 70s to the 80s, which is a really hard thing to do. And you'd know this, Steve. Like, it's funny, isn't it? Every – the hardest grade probably is right down the bottom of the list, isn't it? Once you get above the under 50s and then you go 52 and above, and it's like a huge leap – but there's quite a big leap between those sort of uh, metro maidens, 70 to 79s, and then you get up to the 80 to 89s. Because once you get up to the 80 to 89s, you're also tackling horses, virtual free-for-allers that have, that have come back down the ladder. Yeah, and that can make it really difficult for your horse to take the next step. And and like you say, you, you sort of find out what your horse is made of. You In your lower grades, like your 50s and 55s, you can win a couple of those really quick. But then they seem to hit their 60s and they really struggle. So you sort of know your horse isn't of metro quality, but same happens with these guys. They they win their, their one or two metros and, and then they get up into that 80 class and you start meeting some really good free-for-allers that can be really tough. And, and sometimes it just takes a few months of racing those horses to become accustomed to that toughness that those good horses are used to. And then once they get used to it, then they can start going back through the classes again. 100% true. Star Celebrity and Elegant and my other two black bookers out of the uh, same race. Star Celebrity. Um, I'm taking this off the back. I've already had a huge opinion. Emma Stewart says that on ability, Star Celebrity's probably better than Beach Villa and Kafaji. Then she goes as well as she did. And I'm willing to forgive her for dropping her bundle a little bit because of the lack of experience that Steve and I discussed earlier when uh, when chatting or riffing on the Vic Size Classic and Elegant. I just like her. She's a daughter of spokeswoman who was a really nice mare. She's got speed. She's got a little bit of strength. I think she'll bounce off two runs back from a break and be really, really ready to go either at her next start or start after that and back to Philly's great as well. We'll suit her down to the ground. Let's go to our final break here on the Metrospective edition of Trot's Life. Monday, almost out of the way. Trackside coming up for four hours after this. God bless America. We'll put a white, we'll put a uh, a ribbon on this, I should say, and wind this puppy up when we come back in a couple of minutes, just to discuss any other issues we've got in our minds before we say sayonara for this Monday edition of Trot's Life on SEN Track. Welcome back to the Monday Metrospective on SEN Track. Text us on 0499 736 I can't remember the name of it. Do you know? No, I've, I've, <laughs> this actually does remind me of being like 20, 22 years of age at Venom Nightclub in Geelong. Um, you got a name for us, Steve? Nah, I haven't got a name. We're just, yeah, we know the tune and that's it. Uh, is there any words at all? Oh, of course, better, better off alone. <laughs> For some reason, I also couldn't get around the world out of my head because I'm doom, 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 around the world, around the... That's a great tune as well, though. Um, yeah, great memories. I'm glad you brought up 1990 to 2010. 
some glory days in there for me and I'm sure for you as well, Steve. That's been fun, mate. I don't – it was uh, it was a funny old night of racing. So um, I think we've done relatively well to get seven or eight black bookers out of it because, as you say, and I agree with you, it's very difficult to black book horses in those um, walk and sprint peg-dominated races. And equally, I come back to you not adding Belmont Royale – I've been a big believer and, and try to instill in um, in Skeeter as well. The horses have to do it twice, I reckon, don't you? Like, Belmont Royale was great on Saturday night, but they've got to do it twice because horses like him sometimes can pop up and do something great and then it doesn't continue on. Yeah, no, horses like him could probably live in the black book, but uh, then you go broke just chasing them every start. So you really want to see him doing it or doing something a little bit more than what they would normally do. So even though he won, like I said, such a slow early time and then a dash home, it, it's too hard to take anyone out of that. But, uh, you know, you get a horse like Interest Free who's come from behind, you know, in a really good solid run race and they, they're the sort of horses that you're black booking because uh, you know they're going to come out and do it again. So let's just hope, uh, you know, these good horses just keep going through to the summer because it's going to be an amazing summer carnival coming up, isn't it? Are you 100%? Are you already slated to uh, – are you doing Trots Vision on this weekend, this Saturday night? Uh, yeah, I got Friday and Saturday night. This Friday week. and Saturday night. My God bless. Well, I'm off this weekend, but you and I will be working together plenty. I'll be doing plenty of Trots Vision next month, so that's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Love working with you, Steve. That's been a great start to our retrospective journey. Long may it continue, and we're going to add a couple more quizzes and variety elements as well. But um, great job, mate. Good luck with the rest of the week, and good luck with Friday and Saturday on Trots Vision. Thanks, Bon. You have a good one, mate. There's Steve Cleave, Jay Bon, Willem signing off. Four hours of trackside coming up and uh, the lids fly tonight. I won't be on tonight. I'm looking after Little Girl instead. But tomorrow, back for the education edition of Trot's Life 11 till 1. Enjoy, people. Have fun. Look after yourselves.